Hey everyone, I'm Andy Kraft. And I'm Aaron Kraft. Welcome to the Health Hacked Podcast. Well, looks like things are getting crazy out there, huh? Yeah, back at it again. I saw like a new variant. The the Mew variant apparently (laughs) is on the rise or something. I saw that. They said like, but maybe, maybe it's um, not susceptible to all vaccines. What's the word I'm looking for? Like ineffective. The vaccine is ineffective. Yeah. Classic. Classic. I mean, I think from what I read, it was the WHO, which like, I mean, who knows how accurate that is, said that global prevalence is down from that variant um, like below 0.1%, and but the prevalence in Colombia is 39%. So of all COVID cases, 39% of this mu variant, Ecuador mm-hmm. is like 13%, and that continues to increase. So, mm. wait, it's with, down down globally, isn't isn't it new, or has it been around for a while? I think it's been around for for a little while, but it's like in some countries, it's like died out. I think, um, okay. but in some countries, it seems to be ramping up. So. Why? Why did it go from Delta? Wasn't it Delta to Lambda? I don't get. Th- why? I don't get the jump there. Were there variants in between? Yeah, there? yeah. They're but they're just like not worth discussing because mm. they like weren't okay much different or they just died out. Okay, gotcha. That's my so understanding. M L M N. What's N in the Greek alphabet? I have no idea. But I heard that they're actually moving to constellations after they get through the Delta. The um, the Greek well, see, alphabet. The, I mean, yeah, they're like halfway through by now, so. We need a new system after at that point. Well, it'll just uh, it it won't end. Um, like no. this isn't this no. isn't just going to go away. I think we've we've seen that even like early on in the the pandemic, the idea was if we all stay inside, which almost everyone complied with, at least in the U.S. Here, you know, it'll it'll die out and like it, or or once you can get the vaccine, it'll die out and it it's not going mm-hmm. to. So we're just going to have to learn to live with Learned it live and that's with, just yeah the way it is yeah and that's gonna be you know a mix of vaccines and that natural immunity i think both of those are gonna play a role which is actually what we're talking about today we're, we're looking at the the reason we want to do this episode because is because a, a study recently came out that's been making the uh you know making headlines talking about natural immunity so we want to we want to look at that study specifically and see how natural immunity um, meaning, you know, our, our body's ability to fight off the virus, if you've already had it, how it compares to the vaccine. Um, and interestingly, like with the vaccine being widely available now, that has been considered the, the gold standard of protection over natural immunity, which is, has not always been the case with viruses. Typically natural immunity seems to be more effective. So it's, it's interesting that that has not been studied as much. So seeing the study, and seeing this study as it relates to Delta has been interesting. Um, I'll give a few, di- uh, yeah, I guess a few disclaimers in general with this episode and around the study. Uh, we are not medical experts by any means, so do not make any decisions based on our discussion about this. Um, and understanding about the virus, like we just said, there's been so many different variants. It's constantly changing. So like one study can be, you know, uh, relevant for a certain period of time, but six months later, it can be completely irrelevant. The, the whole thing can change and all that data can basically be uh, not useful. So this data is uh, as up to date that we have now. Um, but the, uh, do you want to talk about the, the study itself, just how 
it's not peer reviewed at this point. Yeah. Which is also yeah. a dis- disclaimer. Yeah, big disclaimer. This study has not been peer reviewed yet. So, it, you know, it hasn't gone through a review process like most studies before they're, you know, published and basically considered, um, you know, in, in the arsenal of scientific evidence, I guess. Now, this doesn't mean we completely throw it out, but it also means that at this point probably should not make policy decisions around this until it does get peer reviewed. Um, I mean, some studies do get retracted or corrected after peer review, so we need to be careful when drawing conclusions. Like, I saw this one study, and I have not dabbled in the whole ivermectin thing. I have not looked too much into that. But I know there was one study that was getting shared around about ivermectin that was not peer-reviewed, and then it came out, and when it got peer-reviewed, they found some um, some data that was, was not accurate, so they had to change some things. So that's just a big disclaimer, but the data here is very interesting. We wanted to share it. It's been getting a lot of shares on social media, so we wanted to just break down what what is actually you know being said in this study. And then if, um, if something comes out, it gets peer-reviewed and it gets retracted or something, we'll do an amendment or announcement in a following podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But before we get into that, um, have you been watching any of the Paralympics at all? Uh, I have not, no. Well, for, for our listeners, um, if you've watched any Paralympics, um, either on YouTube or, or this past year, then you know how difficult life can be without limbs. I watched this one guy swim pretty fast across a pool with no arms or legs. He, like, at all. He just, I don't know how he did it. Um... And then another guy, he, uh, he he was playing ping pong with his mouth. Like, he had no arms. He just held the paddle in his mouth and played that way. And the guy he was playing with actually had arms, which seems like it wasn't fair. And the guy with no arms obviously lost. But there were people that were fencing in, in wheelchairs, and it's truly incredible what these people have been able to accomplish with um, suboptimal appendages. And I can only imagine the hard work and dedication and discipline it took to get to that level. But you know what else it took? Electrolytes. Adequate hydration. These people, no doubt, utilized the cleanest, most effective electrolyte drink on the planet. Um, I can only imagine, at least. And uh, that's Element. Element has the perfect electrolyte content and ratios like no other sports drinks that gives you the fuel you need. If you want to get yours, go to drinklmnt.com slash healthhacked. To get your sample pack, you can get a sample pack for only five bucks. Um, someone at my CrossFit gym actually, I gave her some, um, and she said that it took her like a week to get used to it because it is a little salty. But she said, I feel like I've been dehydrated and I didn't realize this until I started drinking Element and I feel great. So she wants to, to get some more. She feels much better. So that can be you. Um, yeah, go check it out. Go to drinklmnt.com slash health act. All right, uh, just a couple of things to kind of set the scene before we, we look at the specific study. Um, so mandates, vaccine mandates are going very common. I think at the beginning of this, it was like, you know, people thought you were crazy to believe that mandates would become a thing. And here we are. They're very normalized. A lot of companies are requiring their employees to do it, or if they don't comply, they will be terminated. Very common. Um now, some companies, this is this is where it gets interesting with natural immunity, is that some companies will allow you to either do a negative COVID test, show proof of antibodies with, you know, the, if, if you've had COVID, you've had, you have natural immunity and you have antibodies. So you can show your proof of antibodies. So some companies are allowing that instead of the vaccine, where other companies 
will not allow that at all. You have to get the vaccine, even if you show proof of, of, of antibodies that you had COVID and have the antibodies, it doesn't matter. You need the vaccine. So that's a, an interesting uh, route that some companies have chosen to take. Um, we'll kind of get into that as to why that is. Um, going along with that, a study just came out, I believe, last week, first or last week in August, that a third, it's estimated that a third of, of adults have now had COVID in the United States. Um, and they're projecting this because not all of these are recorded, but there is a lot of unrecorded cases, obviously, a, a massive amount of unrecorded cases. So their projections are that at this point, a third of United States adults have had COVID meaning that they would have the antibodies as well. Um, last thing here is this is just an interesting thing that is relates to this discussion with, with antibodies and how it's been um, handled differently in this case. And, and part of that is just because there is a lot of unknowns. So it, it partially makes sense. It's just an interesting fact that Certain other viruses have been handled differently in the past. Um, common ones, like ones where vaccines are required, specifically for kids before they go to school, they have to have their vaccines for like chicken pox, polio, measles. Those are, are required vaccines. Um, but with these ones specifically, the, the CDC has guidance on these as well, obviously. And the guidance for these, as well as many other viruses, isn't just get the vaccine no matter what. There's usually um, uh, instances where you don't necessarily need it. So like with the CDC, this is all from the CDC's website, like with Chickenbox. If you're over the age of 13, then it's only recommended to get the co or the Chickenpox vaccine if you haven't already had it. So if you had it, then they're saying, no, you don't need it. Um, same thing with polio. It says adults do not need the polio vaccine because they were already uh, vaccinated as a children as a child or had had polio as a child. And then with measles, they say acceptable evidence of immunity against measles include either written, um, written documentation of adequate vaccination or laboratory evidence of immunity. So and those, those just to name a couple of them, there, there's obviously more vaccines as well. But few of them require just a vaccine outright without any exceptions whatsoever, um, which is what we've seen here. And again, a lot of that is because there's a lot of unknowns. Um, I guess until now, we have a little bit more clarity on it. Still a lot of unknowns, but this is the biggest study to date. It's the most current to date. It does relate to the Delta variant. It takes that into consideration. Um not peer reviewed. That is a big disclaimer. But with all that said, let's uh, let's get into it. Do you want to give the rundown of what this study showed? Yeah. So this is a study out of Israel, and they're uh, kind of a few months ahead of us, uh, like with the Delta variant. Um, you, you may have seen this shared on social media, and so just a background on the data because I think it is interesting and in kind of building the case around this data is Israel mandates that citizens participate. Um, or become members of, of one of four health organizations that gather data on their demographics, clinical measurements, hospital procedures, medications, diagnosis. And then for, for COVID, their COVID tests are reported in that database. 
uh, vaccine records, symptoms, hospitalizations, and deaths. And so over 99% of the Israel population complies with this. One of those, uh, so uh, there's four organizations that do this. One of those four is called the Maccabee Healthcare Services. And that's where the data for this study came from. It's Israel's second largest health maintenance organization. And so the data from this organization covers 26% of the Israel population and provides a representative sample of the Israeli population. Okay, so all that is to say um, the source of the data is solid. Again, pending peer review. But that's where the data came from. And I think that's interesting that it does represent a good chunk of the population of the entire country. And so what they did is they compared three types of immunity. Okay, so the first thing they did is they looked at how, how does somebody who was previously infected compare to somebody who uh, was vaccinated? How does their immunity stack up against one another um, over the same period of time? So what they did is they looked at, um, they took data from people that in either January, February of 2021, they received the vaccine or became infected. And then and then later became infected sometime in July or August. And they presumed that this was Delta because that's when the, the Delta became kind of rampant in that country. So that was the first one. Um, previously infected versus vaccinated in January and February of 2021. Second comparison was very similar, um, but they looked at previously infected versus vaccinated over any period of time. So that includes people that were infected all throughout 2021. Um, which is important because by that time it would be assumed that maybe their antibodies would have waned. Um, like if they got infected in, you know, July of 2020 and then they got reinfected with Delta in July of 2021, well, you know, how does that stack up against somebody who was vaccinated um, in January, February of this year? So that was the second thing they looked at. And then the third thing they looked at is previously infected, you know, how do they stack up versus somebody that was vaccinated and previously infected? So, what they're looking at is, you know, what is the likelihood of you getting a reinfection after already have been being already having been infected, or what is the likelihood of a breakthrough case if you've already been vaccinated? So let's look at the first one. So this is comparing some, something to mention here um, with with the vaccinated. So this and yeah, there's there's a few kind of I guess limitations of the study, which we'll talk about at the end. But one of those limitations before we get into it is that this va- this was only for the Pfizer vaccination. It's two doses. So it's fully vaccinated. They're all fully vaccinated people. Um, two doses of the Pfizer vaccination. So it's not no Johnson and Johnson, no Moderna, nothing other outside of you. You know, it's just mm-hmm. Pfizer is all that was tested here. So that is a limitation of what we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, um, that's a uh, good note. Yeah. Especially with I think there's been recent, again, studies coming out within the past two weeks showing that Moderna potentially has longer lasting uh, effects than Pfizer. So yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. So this is Pfizer. When they say vaccinated, they mean somebody that's been vaccinated, fully vaccinated with Pfizer. So the first group, they looked at people that had either been infected in January, February of 2021, or been vaccinated, fully vaccinated in January or February of 2021. And then, and then basically got reinfected. So that consisted of, um, 16,215 people, 16,000. I don't know if I said that clearly, were either infected or vaccinated in January and February of 2021. Of those 16,000 people, 257 COVID infections were reported. So of the people that were either infected or vaccinated, about 1.6% of those um, got another infection um, or, you know, got infected either ha- having already been infected or, you know, 
a breakthrough case through the vaccination. Of those 257 people who were infected, 238 were fully vaccinated and 19 had previously been infected and unvaccinated. I don't know if I I should have said that. When I say previously infected, those people were unvaccinated. So of the 257 COVID infections they reported, 238 were fully vaccinated, 19 had already had natural immunity, I'll just say that, and were unvaccinated. So 93% of those infections were fully vaxxed with Pfizer. What that means is there is a 13 times more likelihood of breakthrough infection than reinfection. So if you were infected earlier in the year and unvaccinated, you are more protected now than someone who is vaccinated but not previously infected by about 13-fold, according to this data. Now, of those 257 cases, uh, 199 were symptomatic, so about 77% were symptomatic. Now, it's difficult to tell symptomatic versus asymptomatic data um, since a lot of asymptomatic people don't get tested, but uh, it's worth noting here. And then of those 257 cases, nine people were hospitalized. Eight of those hospitalizations had the vaccine, and one um, had natural immunity, meaning they were they were reinfected, or they had a previous infection, but they were unvaccinated. So not only does previous infection seem to be better at preventing reinfection, but it seems to be better at reducing hospitalizations as well. And then there was no deaths in that group. And I in any of these. In any of these, yeah, the vaccinated or those that were reinfected but unvaccinated. So I thought so thought that was interesting. Um, that was kind of the first group that they looked at. The second group was looking at people with natural immunity, meaning they got COVID in the past, but they were still unvaccinated. And then somebody who had not had COVID but was vaccinated over any period of time. So the, the one I just talked about earlier was looking at people that, again, had gotten the vaccine or had gotten infected in January, February 2021. With this one, the second group that I'm going to talk about here, these people could have gotten infected or vaccinated sometime in 2020 or 2021. Although it's worth noting that a lot of people were infected in 2020, and most people didn't receive the vaccine until 2021. So in this group, there's 46,000 people. Of those 46,000 people, 748 COVID infections were reported. Um, 640 of those 748 were fully vaccinated. That's about 85%. And 108 had been previously infected and unvaccinated. So about 14%. Meaning there was a six times more likelihood of breakthrough infection than reinfection. So uh, one one yeah, note here, I guess, like looking at this and, and the timeline of things. So basically the first model you, you shared, essentially was a six-month gap there from, from first infection to second. Mm-hmm. There's about a six-month gap or six-month opportunity for your antibodies to wane or the vaccine to wane. Now, in this model, too, it could be anywhere from 18. It could be up to 18 months long, and right. um, meaning more chance for your antibodies to decline. But the vaccine was available. On, like It's only been available for about six months. So, right. with, so basically, there, there's more opportunity for a waning antibodies or nat- natural immunity mm-hmm. to decline. And that has like that percentage has increased. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. Y- yeah. Yeah. You know so what I'm saying? yeah, no, no, I, that that's what I'm trying to make clear here. So if you were infected okay. at any point during this pandemic and you were unvaccinated, let's say you, you know, you got 
COVID in July of 2020, you are still, according to this data, you are still more protected now than someone who got vaccinated in January of 2021 by about um, five, five or six fold. Um, now, what's interesting is that the difference was negligible for those greater than 60, meaning the vaccine and um, prior infection offer about the same immunity for the elderly, which has implications for the importance of the vaccine for the elderly. Um, but we can we can talk about that down the road. So of the 740 cases, like I said, 640 were fully vaxxed, 108 um, had already been infected, but still unvaccinated. 25 were hospitalized, 21 of which had the vaccine, four were unvaccinated, but had previously been infected. Um, there seemed to be about a 6.7 fold risk of going to the hospital if you were vaccinated versus if you were unvaccinated, but previously infected. And, and like you were referring to, that's generous. That, that's, actually the, that's generous considering the fact that people who were infected in 2020 were included here. And the vaccine wasn't available until 2021, but it's still stro- showing that natural immunity was stronger than immunity from the vaccine, despite the fact that the natural immunity occurred quite a bit, quite some time ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then there were there were no deaths in this group either. All right, so that was the second model that they looked at. And the third, they were looking at uh, natural immunity, so people who were unvaccinated but previously previously infected, and then somebody that was vaccinated and previously infected. There's about fourteen thousand people in this group, and those who had been previously infected and received a single dose of the vaccine had a 0.5 fold decreased risk of reinfection. Um, there were about 20 breakthrough cases. So people who had the vaccine and were previously infected, about 20, 20 of those people, um, had a breakthrough case. There were 37 reinfections. Um, the symptomatic cases of six, there were, there were 16 symptomatic cases, um, from people who had the vaccine and got a reinfection versus 23 symptomatic cases in the unvaccinated. And then one hospitalization occurred, and it was somebody who was unvaccinated, and there, there were no deaths. So what, what that says, that what that tells us is that if you had been infected and, and you got through, you recovered, and you got the vaccine, you have a little better immunity than someone who didn't have the vaccine but had COVID and recovered and, and was unvaccinated. I mean, it's actually pretty close, but basically, you got COVID, you recovered, um, that's great natural immunity, but then if you got the vaccine on top of that, you, you have a little more protection compared to somebody who recovered from COVID and didn't get the vaccine, if that makes sense. So in summary, uh, I know I went through a lot of data here. Um, I'll link link the study in the show notes, and you, I mean, you can scroll through. These numbers are there, um, but let me just try to wrap up. Wrap up kind of just summarize it here. So those who got infected early in 2021 and and were unvaccinated have a much greater protection of infection and hospitalization than those who were not infected but got the vaccine at the same time by about 13-fold. And this, this factors in the Delta variant. 
All right, and then even for those who got infected in 2020 and were unvaccinated, there still seems to be a much greater protection than, than just the vaccine alone. So although natural immunity does seem to fade over time, um, it seems to last qu- quite, quite a while um, by about fivefold compared to, to the vaccine. Um, there's, there's greater protection from infection and hospitalization in natural immunity than the vaccine, even, even if you got COVID back in 2020. And then those who have been infected and have received the vaccine have the greatest protection by, by a small amount. Now, this study did not investigate the mechanism behind this. Like some other studies have looked at like B cell and T cell activity uh, in natural immunity versus vaccine immunity. Um, They did not. So the exact immune system response in each case is still yet to be determined. But they theorized that immune activation from COVID, from getting COVID, is greater and longer lasting than the uh, immune activation created by the vaccine. But that, that has not been proved yet. But that's what the data seems to be telling us. So a couple limitations uh, to review. Again, they only looked at the Pfizer vaccine, so we don't know how this pans out with Moderna or Johnson & Johnson. This really is only looking at the Delta strain because that's the, the primary strain in July and August, which is when, when they were tracking these infections. Um, there's also no way of knowing how many asymptomatic people were infected because, like I said, those people don't get tested. Uh, and then they couldn't really control for masking and distancing because they weren't tracking that. So that that's a limitation. Uh, anything else that I missed there? Uh, no. No, I think that covers it all. Uh, yeah, very interesting study. Um, it'll be interesting to see where this goes, where, where you know, what, more evidence is certain to come in the next few months and to see once it's peer reviewed, if it's still similar results or if there's drastic changes. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, if this is true, this, this is good news, especially with a third of um, adults having been exposed to COVID. That means a third have very strong um, a, immune response to the virus and are very unlikely to get it again. So if, if what this is showing is accurate, that, that's excellent news. Um, so we'll see where it goes, and there's certain to be more, um, yeah, more, more research on this in the coming months. But yeah. I think kind of one question that's posed here is um, why, why vaccines are being pushed to people who have had COVID already? Because that, like, that's a lot of employers are doing that. A lot, I think don't know if the government is a, I think the government, yeah, all government employees are required to be vaccinated regardless of um, proving that they have antibodies. And, you know, I think, I think one of the reasons they're doing this is, you know, from their perspective, there really is no downside to requiring the vaccine. And like the study showed that um, you, it's not a huge increase, but even if you've had um, COVID and you get the vaccine on top of it. So you have natural immunity plus you get the vaccine. You do have a little bit extra protection. Um, so it's kind of just like a surefire way of ensuring somebody is pr- pr- protected. I think from their perspective, that's kind of what it is just saying like, there's no downside to it. Like the, the CDC says it's safe. So get it because you, we want to make sure you're, you're protected. You keep the hospitals from being overrun. It's, it's just like an easy one size fits all approach to the situation. There's no, you know, oh, you're young, you're healthy, you're fine. 
or you're, you're young and you have the antibodies, you don't need to get it. It's just kind of like a one, one size fits all approach. It's, it's easy. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's kind of why a lot of people have gone forward with, with the mandates, whether you agree with them or not. Yeah. I think it does come down to, I mean, it's a, it's a business decision, right? Like, and they, Mm -hmm. they, you know, need to, um, I mean, yeah, it's a cost to, to them. If they have an employee out sick, they're in the hospital. I mean, it's, it's expensive for, for the business. I do think it is frustrating how little attention natural immunity has gotten. Like people don't care at all if you've had COVID, which is just really frustrating. And there have been some other studies on natural immunity, but they're all pre-Delta. Like Washington University study study, study published um, something in Nature showing how long-lived the antibodies are for for people who have recovered from COVID. Um, Cornell published a study in Lancet showing that uh, antibody protects against reinfection for at least seven months with 95% efficacy for people who have recovered. Now, that was back in April. Um, so the, the difficult part about this, which you mentioned in the beginning, is like things are always changing. Um, that's, mm-hmm. that's what makes this so difficult. The virus is mutating and the data is always lagging because it takes time. Mm-hmm. So we never know 100% what what is the best case scenario right now in terms of our immunity. So there's always going to be some uncertainty. But I think that this data and some previous data we have on natural immunity they deserve a conversation and it deserves some yeah. attention, you know? Yeah. And we're not, we're not seeing that like this study, like this is a, a break, like a groundbreaking study. I know it's not peer reviewed. So that's maybe why a lot of mainstream headlines aren't posting it. But like, as of now, I just looked it up and it was, I think Bloomberg and the LA times, maybe only really two mainstream sources have done an article on this study um, mm-hmm. where you'd think this would be like, plastered across the headlines like this this is good news if this is true right right um yeah i think i mean i think if the cdc and those in charge you know their tagline is you know we, we follow the science well then i think they have to acknowledge and accept the power of natural immunity um mm-hmm. you know mean like you said it's a good thing all the people that have already had covid which is like 40 million people in the u.s i think those people are pretty well protected um, yeah. the, the most protected actually with the exception yeah. of 60 and over, which is where I think it's good to have a conversation around individual situations. Like if you're 60 and over, um, you know, natural immunity and the vaccine immunity are, are kind of similar. And so if you, if you're 60 and over and you have not had COVID yet and you have not had the vaccine, like you're probably better off getting the vaccine because you don't know what COVID's going to do to you. Cause it's very risky for, um, for, for people 60 and over. So I think it's just, I, th- I think this data can, can bring a lot to the table, you know, in terms of the conversations we having, we're having around mandates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like one of the, I guess, arguments against, um, not mandating it is, well, the virus is changing. So we, we don't know how your natural antibodies are going to respond to, to a changing disease. Right. Like that's kind of like their, what the argument for, I guess, for mandates is. Um, it's a pretty poor argument because our, our immune response is adaptive. It, it will adapt to that changing virus, whereas the vaccines don't. And we've seen that with Delta, how they're right. much less effective as the virus mutates. Like that, that vaccine 
is made specifically for this strain of virus. And if it changes, if it mutates, which it has, then it becomes significantly less effective. And we've seen that with Delta. We're going to see it with Mu and so on as the, the alphabet goes. We're going to see the, the current vaccines being less and less effective. Um, but that's not necessarily the case with our natural immune system. Our natural immune system is um, re- reactive and it can respond to that. So, or adaptive. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, definitely worth a, a discussion that's currently not happening very often. Right. Yeah, no. And I mean this, yeah, this data, I think in the end is, is encouraging not peer reviewed. We're going to say that again, if it, if it gets, when it gets peer reviewed, it'll eventually get peer reviewed. Um, and if something comes out, we, we will, we'll make a disclaimer. We'll put something out, um, kind of notifying people of that, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say if you're younger and healthy, I wouldn't say like, you know, go out and try to get COVID because you just, you don't know like the the long-term consequences. Um, but if you've already had COVID I, and you've survived, I mean, that's a pretty good, um, it's a pretty good sign that you, you're probably going to be set up for, you, that's probably best case scenario moving forward against tackling future variants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. So like I mean I don't know when that happens like you you want to be um, as defended as possible like well, you know if, if you're if you are going to take the approach of my immune system can handle it I think I think in some certain like we've seen that like there's been a lot of push for people to get vaccinated and some people just aren't going to and, and you know they have that choice um, but I think what one like lacking thing lack lack of messaging to those people. It's, it's only been get, get the vaccine, get the vaccine, get the vaccine, which in many cases, people probably do need it. But there's not been like get the vaccine or like work on building your, your immune system. Like you have those two choices. That's essentially what you have is like either you your own immune system can fight it or the vaccine can fight it. And it's been just geared towards the one side, which is a great resolution, but it's not the only one. Um, and I think there's just been a severe lack of help helping people learn the importance of, of natural immunity. And as this virus mutates, it's going to become more and more important because we're not going to be able to get another vaccine uh, for, you know, whatever the Zeta variant, whatever it's going to be down the road. Like the current vaccine could be 10% effective against that. It's like, then, then what do you do? Then you're screwed. You have to wait another nine months for another vaccine to come out. So what are we going to do? Just keep relying on a new vaccine, a new vaccine to come out and keep protecting us. Like that's not always going to be there for us. Like it, it, it's here for us now and it came quickly this time, but what about next time? We don't know. It could be a lot like COVID in the grand scheme of things. Isn't wildly deadly. It's about 1.2%, I think is a death rate totally in total, which is, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's small compared to some previous diseases. But like, what happens when something comes along that's ten percent or twenty percent, and we don't have a vaccine? Um, mm-hmm. The only thing that can protect us is our natural immunity and having a strong immune system. And that's what's been really tragically neglected in in helping people um, build that up over the past. We've had eighteen months to do it, and there's been no messaging on that. Yeah, that's been super frustrating for me. And it's not one or the other. Like, why you can't have both. Like, the vaccine can mm-hmm. be effective at reducing hospitalizations, like, especially for those, like, that are high risk. 
But why can't you combine that with the messaging of get healthy? I mean, we right. said this back in April of 2020 when this whole thing was unraveling. Everyone's like just waiting for the vaccine. We're basically sitting at home waiting for the vaccine. And I think you said the vaccine is not going to solve all your problems. And mm-hmm. we have seen that very clearly. Um, and, and there's been no messaging around, hey, while we're developing this, hey, you should maybe get healthy, like move around a little bit, get outside. Yeah. Australia won't even let you go outside right now. They got like armed guards at people's yeah. doors. Like you get one hour of rec time in the sun each day. And then if you don't, like if you, if you don't comply, you're going to prison. I mean, that's mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. And the virus is going to continue to mutate. I mean, I wish it would be nice if when this vaccine came out, it just everything went away. But like that's mm-hmm. not happening and it's mutating. And um, there are things that we can do on top of that, that like you said, have just been completely neglected, like taking care of ourselves, you know, emphasizing adequate sleep diet, exercise, fresh air, stress reduction. I have seen none of that from the CDC at all. No, like they, they, it's like they they refuse to, they refuse to address it at all. Yeah, no, it's extremely frustrating. Like I'm looking back at our, our notes. We, we recorded or we, we wrote notes on our our episode about when this first started in mid March. Um, I think we knew about it in general, like as I think our country knew about it in like either December or January, so we've had 19 months, 18 months, um, and immediately, I mean, with the virus, what's like 101, like have a strong immune system. We knew at that time we weren't going to have a vaccine for at least a year. And that was being like extremely, uh, uh, what am I looking for? Conservative? Optimistic. Uh, optimistic. Very optimistic. Like a 12 month turnaround for vaccines very, being very optimistic. And we knew right up front. It's like, so what do you do? Tell people to get healthy, tell people to build their immune system. But even from the start, when we didn't have a vaccine, that was never mentioned. And it's insanity, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. And and people that people who uh, convey that message of, you know, get healthy, eat well, sleep, build your immune system are, are in some ways shunned or, or, you know, turned away as anti-vaxxers you know you don't you know Mm -hmm. you're you're gonna you know hurt people like people are gonna get hurt from that kind of information but like they're why can't it be both that's what i don't understand um there's been such a strong campaign to get the vaccine but none to get healthy which which will save lives like if there's a campaign Mm -hmm. like from the cdc from fauci from all these people who a lot of people listen to half the country listens to i mean imagine like the power if if you gave some simple advice you know it doesn't have to be diet prescriptions like sleep move mm-hmm. get outside um that would not only reduce the risk the of severity of covid but also reduce the risk of a bunch of other conditions so yeah yeah it's been the messaging has been poor and it's been frustrating so um so you just you know do our part to uh you know to stay healthy ourselves and you know encourage others to do the same mm-hmm yeah yeah, no, there's um there's there's a place for both. Both are extremely valid. Um you can have both. I mean, work examples of that of kind of of living out both sides of it at the same time. Just cuz you have a vaccine doesn't mean you can live unhealthy and vice versa. So, mm-hmm. um yeah. Well, I think that's a wrap. Um like we said again, not a peer-reviewed article so or study, so we will uh, give some disclaimers or give some updates, I mean, as more unfolds with this, and there's certain to be more studies, and we'll, we'll probably 
Um, may post those on Instagram as more studies and more information comes out on it. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay healthy.